Hear us here in the host of the hour, first to follow the fox named Neve, with books laid before the bear named M, to read and retire around the long fire. Would you say I'm more of an Ajishi Otaro or a Hachimitsu boy? Uh, you are an Ajishi Otaro. Okay. I don't know what that means, because you don't talk about the fucking manga <laughs> in your podcast about the manga. <laughs> um, so, in a Manzai duo... Ajishi Otaro is more the straight man, and Hachimitsu Boy is more of the funny man. Oh, okay, yeah, no, for but sure. like specifically within a manzai context. Okay, um, which is has a little bit more nuance than just like straight man, funny man. Um, I don't think which I know I guess, that much about manzai. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Um, I mean it's it's basically a straight man, funny man routine, but there's yeah. just like far more codified stuff around it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was going to say, I guess on GGP, you're, I feel like you're more often the funny man. Really? I, hmm. I always think of myself, I mean, GGP is where I get to torment Jackson the most. Cause Jackson's yeah. hosting and we get the Pokemon segment where I just get to be a jerk for a little bit. Um, and everyone loves it. And that's the best part. Um, but all in all, I feel like I'm usually the serious one just because yeah, my normal is, uh, that. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm trying to think more specifically about Manzai. So the, the, um, the like straight man role is, uh, Tsukomi and the funny man role is Bokeh. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, uh, Tsukome usually plays the role of like butting in and correcting errors that the funny man's doing and like being very, uh, like generating humor in that way. Oh, okay. Um, so like specifically, um, Kitano was Tsukome and, and was known for like as beat Takeshi for like, uh, you know, often it would be like this sort of like, uh, joking berating and like maybe a like swift smack on the head. And he just got like, uh, excessively violent with it. It was one of the, his things. So, oh, okay. um, just the, yes. I could see, I could yeah. see you playing a little bit of that role in GGP where you are like antagonizing. Oh, for Jackson. sure. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm antagonizing I guess the, you by even bringing the subject up. So. Yeah, I guess the Tsukomi is a little bit more the antagonizing role. Uh, fair enough. <laughs> um, anyway. Yeah. We're not here to talk about uh, Manzai as a comedy form. No, how do you feel about the Nintendo Direct? I didn't watch it. Um, <laughs> I was gonna, I was gonna, actually gonna ask you what should I care about in it because I just, I never watch them anymore. Ooh, um, okay. Here's the part where I remember, remind you once again that I have a hard time thinking of you as someone who plays video games by the context yeah. in which we met, but I know yep. that's not true. Do what, 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 what platforms do you have for video games? Uh, of the new ones, uh, Switch. No, specifically, do you have a 3DS? Yes. Okay. Um, I, I still have my 3DS, uh, and it is hacked. Okay, so the the thing that I would recommend is playing Style Savvy. Who knows if this new one's going to be good? But Style Savvy's well, a great game. yeah, I've I've played both Style Savvies. Okay, um, well then you're fine. That the new thing, the most exciting part of the direct was a new Style Savvy. Yeah, I did see that new. I think you you specifically retweeted it, and yeah. I was like, oh hell yeah. There's <clears> um. um the trailer was uh, unclear whether there, I assume there has to be a story, but they were showing off a bunch of online features, which do seem neat. Um, but there needs to be a, 
actual video game there. I assume there will be. It was a very short trailer. Um, I'm not going to yeah. hold it against it at this point. But um, uh, that, that's mostly it. They're remaking the first Atelier game, but that you can get a fan translation of the PS1 version. And this version kind of has a Pokemon remake chibi aesthetic that I uh, am not thrilled about. A um, bunch of remakes of shit you probably played the first time or don't care about. Uh, that's it. How do you feel about Zelda? Um, I mean, it's good. I, I'm one of my claims to fame is, uh, being thirsty enough about ponytail link that it made it oh, into right. a news article. So right. uh, specifically on Twitter. Damn. Um, I do just like link as a character. Okay. Um, they're great. This um, is, um, unfathomable to me because link has no personality. Yeah. It's, it is weird. <laughs> Of, like, most characters that I like are, like, uh, deeply related to, like, the personality and me being able to envision. I don't know what it is about Link. I think it's just the fact that I've played Zelda games for a really long time, and so I, I have that feeling of, like, long-term connection to this mm-hmm. character, uh, even if it's not existent in the the character have any personality in the game yeah also um, this is rude there de- link definitely has multiple characterizations that i think are interesting i'm being a hater in this one moment um yeah but like the the one that i think is hottest is breath of the wild which has no personality <laughs> um it, it did introduce all the weird like negative answers that he could give where it was like you could just sass everyone though there's no like feedback yeah. the game offers for that so you're left like why why did you do this yeah um, I mean, the real thing is that there's just a lot of fan art about Link in the act of tying back hair into a ponytail, mm-hmm. uh, which I don't know why that does it for me, but, uh, that specifically, um, what was I, there's something I was watching recently where like, uh, there's some character that I, I know a lot of people liked, uh, and I just didn't see it except for like literally the one shot where he tied his hair back. Um, okay. oh, it was in, uh, G-Witch, Witch for Mercury. Oh, okay. Um, there's a character with long hair and only the very specific shot of him tying his hair back did it for me. So, Fair enough. um, do we, do we want to talk about the saga or? Yeah, I guess we could. Got it, man. This <laughs> month, this week I read these and I was like, well, like there's some legal shit, I guess, but I don't know if I care. It wasn't as good as last week's legal shit. So yeah, the other thing is that, um, like I I tried to break these up into like sections that would, uh, you know, be appropriate length for the the podcast and also like cover arcs. And we kind of had to like split uh, an arc in half. So we're kind of like in the middle of yeah. stuff developing. That's all gonna. Uh, mm-hmm pay off next time um so there's like things here i'm gonna call out as being like oh this is important remember okay. this but That's good. Um, i will rem- i will endeavor to remember them then yeah um this is the, this yeah, is the benefit can... of having you do all the work for me yeah <laughs> um yeah we we read uh chapters 46 through 66 yes um and so uh it starts off with um we get introduced to, to some new characters. We're going to have multiple times where new characters get introduced. Um, but basically everybody, uh, there's sort of two chapters where we're getting people introduced. They're all like descendants of Kettlebjörn, the old of Mosfell. Um, and the, the important ones are, uh, Geezer, uh, Geezer the White, 
um, who people might remember from Lockstyla Saga, um, Gergothi, and then uh, Otkettle, and then Otkettle has like his um, uh, what? Let me see. I know there's like a number of brothers. Uh, I'm trying to remember all their names because most of them don't matter. Um, the most important is not a brother. It's just his friend, uh, mm. Skomkettle. Um, and as a note, uh, the first part of his name, Skom, is like a, a homonym for the uh, word for shame. So um, just really coming in with like a, a telling name right from the jump. Um, oh, and also uh, important at the very beginning is this Irish slave, uh, Melkiver, um, who is uh, not a good worker. Is yeah. one of his defining traits, and like kind of a just hobbit, a, one might say. <laughs> yeah. Um. So anyway, we get introduced to all these people, uh, and then we we learn of a there's like a famine happening in Iceland. Uh, this is a historic. Um, there was one, but not around this time when this is supposed to take place. So. Uh, evidence pointing towards this being um, more of a constructed story than actual history. Um, and uh, Gunnar is like taking care of all the people uh, in his district. And so he runs out of provisions um, and decides to go with his brother, Kolskager, and then um, two other guys that we might remember from last saga, uh, Thrawn Sigfusson and uh, Lambi Sierthersen. Um and they go to Atkel uh, in another district and ask him to sell food. And he's like, no, I won't do it. Uh, because Skamkettle is like, don't sell it to them. Because he is constantly giving bad advice. I don't understand why Atkel ever listens to him. <laughs> um, but they do sell Gunnar um, Melkover. Um, then uh, Halgerther sends uh, Melkover to go steal the food from... Um, Otkettle. Um, oh, as in no, Otkettle lives at Kirkby, um, which would be, is like an oddly Christian name, um, but makes sense from like Irish, uh, ancestors and former, uh, you know, people living in Iceland. Um, anyway, uh, this part is kind of, I like the, the detail that the dog doesn't bark because, uh, the dog recognizes him. Um, and so he's able to just sort of go in and steal all the food and, and burn down the storehouse. Um, and they don't suspect anything at first. Uh, but then word starts spreading around that, um, Gunnar has like new provisions, including cheese. Uh, there's this like getting some of the cheese. Um, you know, we, we get, uh, Merthyr coming up as like another, going to continue to be a thorn in Gunnar's side. Um, and he does this thing where he sends, uh, like these women to go ask for, for, uh, you know, to trade stuff for food basically. Um, and they get the cheese, uh, and then they fit it into the like cheese mold back at, uh, Ot Kettle's like wife's kitchen. Um, and you know, it, by that prove that it was stolen. Uh, Gunnar didn't know that this was happening. So when he learns, um, he slaps, uh, Huddlegather. This is an important thing to remember. Um, let me find the, like, uh, exact thing here. Uh, this is at the end of 48. Um, where? so, uh, 
Yeah, he says, uh, I would hate to be in league with thieves, and then gives her a slap on the face. Uh, and then she said that she would remember that slap and pay him back if she could. Uh, just fully the, like, uh, Huddle Gareth will remember this pops up on screen. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, remember, Huddle Gareth will remember this. Uh, key moment. <laughs> um, but yeah, since Gunnar didn't know what was happening, uh, now he goes, offers to, to repay, um, tries to sort things out um and let's see uh yeah so scom kettle's like uh don't accept the offer like gunner's like gonna do a good repayment and also give an offer of friendship which he he frequently does and is a good thing to to have uh and scom kettle's like don't do it you should go talk to uh geezer the white and gargothi first and like uh you know respect them and and they're uh like influence over this region. Um, and so he's like, okay, I'll do that. And not kettle was old. Um, and so he's going to travel, but, uh, you know, kind of shambling and, and slow. And so scum kettle's like, Hey buddy, I'll go for you. Um, and Akel just continues to follow this man's advice. I don't understand why. Um, and he goes and gives the white and, uh, Gergothi are like, you should have just accepted it. Uh, I'm sure, like, Gunnar's a good guy. If you go and say that you'll accept it, he'll still offer it to you. Um, he's not going to deny it. Just go and accept it. Uh, Scom Kettle comes back and it's like, uh, they said that you should sue him. Um, you should, you should do a suit for the, the thievery. And he's like, well, they do give good advice. I'm going to trust you. Um, and decides to, to summon them, uh, summon Gunnar to the assembly. Um, so at the all thing, uh, Geezer and Gare find out that Skomcat lied about their advice. Um, and so they try to smooth things over sort of last minute, um, and decide to offer Gunnar, uh, self judgment in the case. Um, and so he says, well, I will pay for the food in the storehouse, but like just the value it was. Like I'm not doing any. Uh, extra there. Um, I'm not going to pay for Melkover. Uh, that goes back to you and I get the money back. Um, and then also, uh, I, the same amount that I'm paying for the food in storehouse, you have to pay to me for trying to defame me. Also, I'm not going to be friends with you anymore. Um, and so, you know, it's a, a great win for, for Gunnar. Uh, you know, he doesn't have to pay anything. Um, but, uh, obviously, uh, tensions are rising. Um, then we get introduced to, uh, I think basically we just get introduced to, to Runover and, uh, Orithover for like the setup for some of the stuff that's about to happen. Um, but, uh, Ot Kettle's going to, to visit Runover, um, and accidentally rides down Gunnar on his horse. Uh, so like Gunnar is, um, I think like working in his fields basically. Uh, I forget exactly what he's doing. Um, and, uh, Ot Kettle is riding quick on it, you know, fast on his horse, doesn't see Gunnar. Um, and as like Gunnar is standing up, uh, he gets grazed on the ear with one of the, the spurs, um, from Ot Kettle's, you know, shoes. Um, and it leaves this long gash immediately on his ear, uh, that's bleeding. Um, and to add insult to injury, 
Skomkel adds insult to injury. He, he says, that's certainly brave writing, fellows. Um, and, like, insults Gunnar in other ways. So, uh, again, I, I don't know why anybody continues to put up with this man. He just makes trouble. Um, so, uh, after a little bit of time, uh, Gunnar decides to, to ride out and uh, fight them and uh, ends up, uh, along with his brother, uh, Cole Skegger. I think it's just the two of them. I forget if any other men ride out. Uh, but they kill Otkettle, both of his brothers, Skamkettle, Eithelver, who's a, a Norwegian man, um, who I forget if he's like married to or is at least interested in. Um, I think it's Otkettle's daughter, Signy. Yeah. Um, very much attached to Signy. Um, and then three other unnamed men. I think, I believe we don't get their names, but eight men in total are killed. Um, and, uh, oh, there's the, the great detail of somebody goes to, uh, Marathur begging him to go and separate them while the fighting is happening. Um, and he says, uh, very likely they are only such fellows as may kill each other as far as I'm concerned and just decides to sit there. Um, I think this will be like to some degree a, a recurring motif is like when people choose to just sit and not act. Um, that's, that's starting up here. Um, then, uh, after the killing, we get the prophetic counsel from, uh, Nyao. Finally, uh, this some is some damn senses in this book. Yeah, finally Nyal's back and is like, what the fuck is going on? Um, <laughs> I really feel like he had like the smart guy, dumb guy dichotomy, and we just let the smart guy wander away and like some shits come down and now he's back and he's like, what, what happened? Yeah. And he hasn't, he wasn't even like go anywhere. He's just like been chilling at home. Yeah. And then like Gunnar finally comes by and he's like, what are you doing? Um, so, uh, real, the most important thing here. Uh, so Gunnar's like asking him about his fate because, mm-hmm. uh, Nyal can see into the future. Um, and the, the really important part for like future stuff is, uh, Nyal saying, never slay more than one man in the same family and never break the agreements which good men make between you and others, least of all in this affair. Um, so, you know, uh, don't kill, no more killing brothers or like son and father or anything like that. Um, no more killing within the same family and, uh, also make sure that you're like holding to all of your agreements to people. Um, so never, never get a, a prophecy that's just telling you things not to do. Cause then that can be used against you. <laughs> um, but yeah, beyond that, um, oh, he, he then, uh, does a bunch of things to help with the prosecuting the case where he um, hands over like a number of cases that he has, uh, you know, current ownership over to uh, Gunnar so that he can like cancel out a bunch of debts with the cases that he has. Uh, before we get um, too far down this road, I do want to point out there is a bit where Gunnar's like, you know so much. Do you know how you're going to die? And he's like, oh, yeah, but I no one would Oh, yeah. It. It's like the most ridiculous thing in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh anyway, name of the book uh sometimes is Brennu Nyal Saga. <laughs> <laughs> um Yeah, that is great that he just knows how he's gonna die. Uh, of all the people who can like see the future, who know the future that we've encountered, Nyal's uh consistently the most chill about it, I feel like. Mm. Um like and using it in ways where he is trying to help out often. There's like some fate he can't avert, but there's stuff that he he does seem to be able to like 
uh, make things better overall for people. Yeah. Um, uh, which is odd because I feel like a lot of other fate stuff in other sagas is like far more just like determined. You can't escape it. Um, and yes. here there's a certain amount. Uh, there's some fates that you can't escape, but there's some that maybe you can. Um, anyway, uh, we get, um, the case, uh, there's a number of like details here, um, including they try to do a suit for, uh, Silver, but, um, since he is Norwegian, it's actually like illegal for them to put that suit forward. So that becomes a part of the case as well. Um, and I think he ends up, he does have to pay a couple, um, but they are the like lesser men, like the unnamed men get paid for, uh, but those aren't as like significant, uh, as like Ot Kettle would be. Um, those stuff get canceled out by like, what I think like Ot Kettle's by the wound. Um, and then a number of the other ones cover like a number of the other ones. I think Scom Kettle, uh, just doesn't get awarded anything because he sucks. Everyone's just like, it's good. He's dead. <laughs> Um, then, uh, we get introduced to, uh, Starkather. Um, I think some of this stuff with him is going to be more important later, uh, but we do get a little bit going on with him. Um, I don't know if there's anything too important to note mm-hmm. with his, like, initial introduction, um, they they get into this like squabble over a horse fight basically, mm-hmm. um, and the the descri- the description of the the horse fight was pretty brutal. There's some uh, if you care about animals, some of that stuff is a little hard to read, but <laughs> uh, like in the way where that would upset you, um, and then let's see. I'm trying to remember if any of this, uh, I don't think any of it comes to, uh, to blows yet. Right. Or like to, to people dying. Um, this is the part where I was getting more tired last night. So, yeah. Um, we get the friendship with, uh, Gunnar and Ausgrimir, Alita Grimson. Um, this stuff will be. Uh, you know, he's going to help out with some of the stuff. Oh yeah. So then we get the, the ambush, uh, Starkother plans, uh, an ambush against, uh, Gunnar. Um, and we also get the stuff around, uh, some Norwegians here as well. Um, there's the one who goes out and tells the other one, um, basically like to, to go home or else you're going to die. Mm-hmm. Uh, was that, was that Aethelvir maybe who did that? And then now we're getting it again. I've lost the, some of the track here because a lot of the stuff isn't super important going forward. Well, <laughs> um, I, you think I know? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, we do get Gunnar's dream. Yes. Um, so we get another prophetic dream. Uh, this one was funny to me though, cause I feel like sometimes it is like, uh, a little vague and symbolic. Yeah. Um, and this one is like literally just the fight, uh, but it's wolves instead of men. But yes. like blow for blow, the same fight. Uh, yeah. It's just funny how <laughs> how obvious it is. Um, 
And so, yeah, then there's the, the ambush. It goes just like the, the, um, just like the initial fight or like the dream fight. Um, and, uh, then, oh, is this where we actually get the, all of the handing over? I'm trying to remember. Oh yeah. This is where we get, um, Nyal handing over a bunch of the stuff that he has control over. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that wasn't the, the former, um, agreement. That was this one where it's like, uh, I understand why you think that. Cause there's three separate chapters in these readings that are like, it's the defense of the thing. Yeah. Some of the stuff I think, uh, like it's coming up in here, I think for the purpose of explaining to you, even at the, the time that this was written, people would like, they were back under the Norwegian crown. And so people would be a little bit less familiar with the like details of old Icelandic law. Mm-hmm. Um, and since I think this is going to like become increasingly concerned with how does the law fail? Yeah. I have, um, I have things to say about that, but I feel like we should get done with our reading. Cause yeah. it's kind of the only um, thing I have this week. Yeah. But yeah, I think there's a lot of like trying to uh, do various cases that will show you different aspects of how the law works so that Mm -hmm. people can kind of get an understanding of like how these exchanges happen and things. Um, uh, Anyway, we then get um, the return of uh, Valgarther the Grey to Iceland. and we get some like uh various other stuff that's basically building for um more conflicts um and then we get the the final settlement uh in chapter 66 mm-hmm. so um and that's where everything like plays out so yeah um and then uh spoilers if you just notice the title of the next chapter uh Martha is going to continue to be a, a little shit <laughs> to Gunnar. So yes. it's uh Martha continues plotting against Gunnar. Um but yeah. So so Gunnar here basically is continuing to like accrue both animosity and honor because he just causes enough shit but then is allowed to like take up enough cases that in dismissing in like working through them or dismissing them or like make good on them. He can erase the harm that he has done like an illegal capacity to like continue operating. Right. Um, yeah. It's just like he, he does, he does seven side quests. So then when he like actually shoots the mayor, he can just turn in the side quest like energy and erase. Yeah. It all, basically is like the video game equivalent to this. I don't, uh, but also like Nyal is doing like uh five of those seven side quests. For yeah. Him. Yeah, yeah. but like the thing that I'm like, clearly this story is one in which it's about the ways in which this like payment in kind or like in the way in which everyone gets together and uh, all thing and just like settles accounts when redress is necessary is depicted as fundamentally not working uh, because of huge log jams like this one where like a single a single excessive actor, not even a bad actor, but an excessive actor can yeah. spoil the suit. But I'm not sure what it's like advocating for in its place. It feels very like this system was very bad. And I'm like, is there a suggestion of like the, uh, the another idea? No, no one here had one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. is it advocating for, is it good to just ride out and fucking kill a motherfucker? 
Uh, clearly not. Like, cause when Gunnar does it, like, oh, you got to fix that. You got to unbury those guys and say they're not actually like, or you have to make the claim that they were what, like dishonorable or whatever, that it wasn't manslaughter. There's like important ritual to go with that. So clearly just like yeah. warlording, it is not the plan. Um, so is it advocating for like a different, more top down like system that would come in when after all this goes away? Is it like, well, what we need is a king and police officers, right? Of, like agents of the state to dictate the laws, not everyone to agree on things. Um, yeah. And that's like, my assumption um, is that, but like, it just feels so like, of like, by dramatic, drama, dramatization of things that kind of just happened to the society in which it's being depicted, it just feels like it's like making an argument that only matters to people who still kind of dimly remember how things sucked back then. Yeah. Um, there are stuff like when we, Next week, there's some other stuff that I think we can dig into. Mm-hmm. Um, there are, there are ways that I think that this becomes important. Um, when the independence movement is happening in Iceland to try and like break from the Danish crown, mm-hmm. um, there, we will probably talk about like, uh, the sagas as a, a proto novel constructing an idea of nationhood, um, next time because whether or not it's happening in the, the saga, like, when it was written, uh, definitely when it was being read during the like independence movement, <clears throat> um, centuries later, uh, it was definitely at that point becoming part of this construction of like a national identity. Mm. Um, but also, yeah, like I, I don't think that this, as we read, we can see if we have like ideas about other correctives that the, the saga might have for what happened. Mm. Um, my recollection is that it is not what, what we need to do is submit to the Norwegian crown. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, there is a certain amount to which, and this is what I'm remembering of it. And I, the previous time as I've read it, I didn't like, uh, I wasn't thinking about stuff quite as intensely as I do when I know that I have to write or talk about it on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but was that some of it was, was almost this like historic document of, what went wrong? Why are we now a part of the, the Norwegian like kingdom again? Um, why did we like submit ourselves and allow ourselves to become a colony basically? Um, and some of it is like chronicling the failure of the, the government system, mm. um, by going back in time to a, a period that is not, uh, actually is like, um, Impacted by all of the seeding as the, the later, like, Sterlunga old would be, the, uh, Sterlunga so- or age would be. Um, but also, like, focusing in on, and, and I think there's an intentional move here of having Gunnar be, uh, at least, like, within the context when it was written, like, a fairly likable guy. He's supposed to be, like, uh, you know, honorable and a good guy who you're supposed to think is great. Um, but that, like, also, he is someone who's feeding into the, the like issue of the, the law system itself. Um, that like they're existing in a, uh, society where the recourse when someone, uh, is continuing to like, uh, do nasty things to you is like often violence and then just using the law to paper that over. Um, and like make, allow yourself to continue to be, uh, in legal standing. Um, and I think there's a certain amount to which, like, some of this is 
uh obviously he has like the wealth and the the uh place of like prestige in the society where he's allowed to get away with a lot of things um but also that like you're getting the combination of uh the person who can go and uh you know fight really well and kill really well uh like who has the the force of violence on their side as well as like the person who is very good with the law y'all who can like figure out how to make all these cases get smoothed over um and between like the two of them um you kind of get this uh currently unstoppable force um but eventually something's gonna have to break so Mm -hmm. um yeah hopefully not too big of spoilers next time but things are going to start to break (laughs) at Uh, the very least i figured um but yeah we are kind of currently in this this moment where um I mean we still have a lot of this book to go. Um we're like almost halfway through, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh just looking at it. Um so uh I think there's still more that it has to say, but um yeah, right now it is kind of just this uh bleak portrayal of the legal system. Um and we can we can talk about how that changes going forward, if it does. Um, otherwise, uh, I feel like there weren't as many like funny moments here. No. Um, I, I don't like Scom Kettle as like a, a troublemaker as much as I did some of the other troublemakers we've had so far, uh, so far. Cause he's just so obviously shitty yes. that I don't know why, like, I don't know why anyone's putting up with him. I don't know why anyone listens to him. Um, I wish there was some like deeper explanation for why uh Kettle like listens to him and believes him. Um cuz as it stands it just makes no sense. It seems like he purely just has a guy who makes trouble for him and he just lets him do it. Yeah. <laughs> While everyone else around him is like don't stop. <laughs> um so, yeah, I think that's one of the, the weaker parts here is that Scott Kettle just kind of sucks <laughs> as a troublemaker. Yeah. Um, not in a fun way. Um, yeah, that's, that's about it for this reading. Yeah. Light Saga Week. Yeah. They can't all be winners. Um, we'll get some good stuff next time. Yeah. Everyone yeah. remember the slap. Uh, it's a, it's oh, an you important mean television moment. show, The Slap. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> um. Oh, one thing I did do this week because I was also feeling like, uh, not that I like hated this week's reading. It was just like, uh, this one's kind of a, uh, you know, I was reading it being like, oh, I wish we could have just like read way more, but it would be way too many extra pages to like see some of this stuff through. Um. But so I did dig out the um like photocopy of somebody's thesis who did a, a big like exhaustive history of Icelandic cinema um and did note down some uh films made in Iceland about sagas. So I'm gonna try and uh dig up the ones that, that I can find. But um there's only four that I wrote down and, and two of them are hardly sagas. They're they're like kind of referencing it but from later. Um, but I guess there's also the the Viking trilogy. We'll, we'll do that at some point. That's the one, the the one that our music comes from. 
is from the Viking trilogy. So um, okay. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, how'd you like Smooth Talk? Oh my god. Uh, so, it's weird, because I, I feel like you covered it. Like, your episodes are yeah. really good. I don't have that much to add about it. Um, I I was like, initially, I was like, my just i'm just a hater at heart i'm just a contrarian i don't i don't believe people you're like oh this this is the scariest we've ever seen i i don't i it's like so good and i was like can't be that good <laughs> it's just my <laughs> gut reaction yeah when i was like i don't actually watch this one so i i uh downloaded it and i watched it and um i here's the thing i i think it's like deeply sad i don't think it's like scary in the way you do um but it is one of the best movies just straight up <laughs> yeah um, and it, to me, it's like it, it, and this is the thing stairwells talked about. It, it has just this, like this, like, like myth is the right word, but in like the way that like night of the hunter is myth, it's like, yeah, this like grasp of the iconography of, of America as like this monster in the dark. But it's all like, but but the thing that's scary about the American monster is that it's a broad daylight monster. This is the thing that we talked about a lot when we covered uh, Face in the Crowd. Like, the the evil, the evils of um, Americana will just smile at you in the sunshine and shake your hand and still be the worst thing in the world. And that's yeah. the thing that, like, when a friend rolls up, it's just like, fuck, dude. Um, Yeah. The if people like Night of the Hunter, I think they should watch Smooth Talk. I think yeah. it it's operating in like similar spaces. Yeah, um, I said when I was watching, I was like, I d- I don't know who had the bright idea to like blend uh, Night of the Hunter and Cape Fear together, but I'm really glad they did. <laughs> it's yeah. wild two things to combine, but I think the movie that comes out the other end is like oh, it's incredible. Um, and especially since Smooth Talk is so focused on the interior life of uh, it's Connie. Yeah, Connie. Yeah um laura dern's character um because like especially like cape fear is so wrapped up in like the father's paranoia of the man coming to abduct his daughter so like there's always like the mediating factor of the adults the adults in smooth talk do not matter it is it is entirely her inner world and like her aspirations to like fuck around and find out in terms of like being a kid who's interested in boys and like womanhood and the ways in which like horrible things just kind of find their way to you sometimes that's just bad luck and fate um yeah but also like the 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 thing that's horrible about bad things happening to you is like you wake up the next day and you still gotta like eat and go to school or you know like yeah. it doesn't it fundamentally doesn't change anything other than your interior life um and i think the movie like radically understands that in a way that uh, very few other works do Oh. Yeah, the the decision to uh, go beyond the short story and uh, show her not killed and coming back mm-hmm. um, and just having to continue to live mm-hmm. uh, is, is honestly, like, I think one of the biggest strengths of the movie, mm-hmm. um, having that piece rather than like it allows it to uh, move beyond becoming like this. A uh, full parable or something. Mm-hmm. Um, if you just have her go off and that's the end. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's like, uh, it's just not as good of a movie. I don't think. No, no, no absolutely um, not. Um, 
it's the it's the the sedateness with which like she returns on the ride and just asks him to leave don't come back here anymore like yeah and he seemingly just doesn't care he's like yeah sure whatever uh and drives yeah. off um that's the thing that's like difficult to grapple with right it, yeah it, and nobody else like really sees that anything happened yes um and the moment that she tries to open up it like you know it's not like the the response that it should be yeah um yeah um it's especially um the other week uh i haven't talked about some reptile this is going to be like me going off on reptile screen this weekend i watched x um the ty west film um mm-hmm. which is <laughs> watching smooth talk after ty west is like <laughs> I can't, I don't even have a juxtaposition of like the hyperbole I feel about like watching one of the worst things you've ever seen. And then someone who like understands the same emotions that that movie's like pawing at, um, like an idiot and just like <laughs> makes it sublime. Um, but that's, yeah. that's the experience of, you know, do you know, you know what X is about, right? No, I don't know anything about X. Okay, I'm going to briefly um, describe X. It's not really relevant to smooth talk, but so X is about, it's 1979. It's like a fake, it's a fake like Texas chainsaw where like these, these, it's like these three ladies, these three guys, they're all like, they're in like South Texas. I think, I don't even remember where they are. They're in like, they're in the middle of nowhere and they go and they're going to rent this house, uh, this like f- adjoining house to like this old farmland to shoot a porno. And they're going to put the porno in theaters and they're all going to get rich off it. That's their plan. It's like, oh, you know, the people, people love these sexy movies. Um, and they go there and the, the house is owned by this old couple and the old couple is creepy. And like the woman in particular is like CZ's kids is like have the thing that she wanted, which was like the liberation of 70 sexual mores or whatever. Um, but also it's about how old people are disgusting um, and uh, old people having sexuality is disgusting. It's a really regressive, terrible film. She starts murdering them. Um, it's bad. It's a fucking terrible movie. It's like one of the rare one star films. I just have no nothing good to say about X. I think it's one of the worst things I've seen in years. Um, but it's a movie about the way in which celebrity, like the Hollywood ideal, infects people and leads them to danger. Um, you know, in but like also is like liberatory. Like like X thinks that doing porno is cool and pro- progressive. At the same time, it thinks it like opens you up to murder because you you've done a slasher no no right. It's just like yeah. the dumbest shit in the world. Um, <laughs> and it's all it's cool and smirking about it. And the thing I like about um, the thing I like about Smooth Talk is that she's in the milieu of like a teen who is invested in like the sexuality of young teen women, right? She has like, she cares yeah. about the heart throbs and she listens to the cool music and she goes out and she flirts with boys and she wants to go to the cinema. But at no point is it about those things are like the, the evil culture being like enforced upon her. It's not about the ways in which those are both liberation or a prison. It's just like, this is the world that you live. In. The society is culture is real. And like you exist in it, like without your, without your consent and, it doesn't mean anything that you exist in culture, right? We all are, we all are inflicted with culture. How we handle that yeah. can be read moralistically, however you want, but like, it doesn't mean anything that we live in a society. We just do. There's no way around it. Um, and like seeing smooth talk have so much sympathy for just it's, it's weird and rough being a teenager. And the movie could be a movie about how it's weird and rough being a teenager without the, the last 30 minutes that like fall down on our head. It's the, it, that's the, the thing with that is the way in which it, becomes something else like 
feels like an alien showed up on your lawn, right? Like it's just, <laughs> it's just the other. It's like, it's haunted. Um, yeah. In the middle of a relatively normal and like well-made normal movie. That's the thing with one of these like movies that like swerve the other way. And in, in like the back half is you have to make the first half stand on its own as the thing that it was before the swerve. And I think smooth talks like really good about that. Um, in a way, very few things are. Um, yeah. I just found um, myself so taken with it. Yeah. Like related to that too. I think it, it's really interesting. Like uh, a friend is like putting on the airs of the James Dean figure. Yes. Um, is like doing that, that cultural, like uh teen heartthrob thing. Mm-hmm. But also the movie is clear that like uh, that doesn't work. That's not what like gets him the girl is that he he can like use the culture um he he is still using it as like a cover for the things that he's doing yeah um and so like it it is still implicated in that way but also like uh his tactics are not i'm going to be a smooth G- james dean guy um his tactics are are far more awful so um yeah yeah. And I think that that's like stronger than there could definitely be ones that are like, oh, you know, is able to like trick girls by, by putting on the, you know, he, he, it's called smooth doc, but he's not like really charming her with smooth talk in that sense. Um, no. he, he's using talk to like, uh, smooth over the violence that he's doing in a way that like, uh, gives him, um, deniability i guess yes um, the, this is the this is the uh not to like put a clownish face on this but this is the like randall flag thing for anyone who listens like just king things or actually has read stephen king works it's it's about the part where those kind of like smooth talking like midwestern and southern like glad handers are evil because the thing that they look like is so surface right it's about the part Ooh. where like this this guy could believe anything and you you know he would never tell you the truth and he can kind of talk his way enough into a position where he can do whatever he wants all the time. That's just a guy who knows how to get away with something because his demeanor is so uh like underestimatable, right? Yeah. It's not that he looks like a heartthrob, it's that he's like a an older man who tries to pretend that he's a teenage like heartthrob guy and it's just enough to make like someone like make women scoff at him which lets their guard down just a bit and it's all he needs right like that's the thing yeah like beneath the like beneath the demeanor is is literally like the steel trap and that's the thing that sucks and is terrifying (laughs) yeah um god it's, it's a fantastic movie yeah Um, related to movies, you're you're currently in the middle of a brighter summer day. <laughs> Not to bring this up. Yes. Um, I'm like two hours in. I'm like halfway in. Yeah. So I feel like there's still like, because it's a long movie. It's, it's there, there's there's still four like hours a four hour movie. I know there's still like revealing of what it is that has yet to come, but um, you've also gotten to like it is just a uh crime drama it's a yeah it's a gangster movie it's weird because like um so this is about like youth gangs in 1960s taiwan specifically like people who fled china to move to taiwan 
And then the, yeah. the, their kids now are growing up Taiwanese, but not sure what that is. And they form these like gangs and they're in these schools and they're, they're just struggling. Everyone's poor because, um, you know, they fucking fled the country. I'm sure they all had very nice houses before they fled. Why they fled, you know, who can say? Um, <laughs> yeah, I do think that the, like, the, the movie's not, like, directly talking about, um, you know, why did people uh, flee and go to Taiwan? Um, but I also think that, like, I, you're far enough in that I feel like I can say this. Like, the the whole premise of... You fled from Taiwan and now your kids are uh, existing under capitalism so that they can, like, form gangs and do violence against each other using uh, increasingly weapons that you used while fleeing from China uh, is its, like, sca- uh, scathing critique of, of Taiwan. That you've just, like, left your children with nothing. Like, they're adrift from culture. Um, all they have is, like, the the, like... Uh, violence and resentment that you have about your homeland, but just like turned into like turned against each other. Um, but, and that'll just continue on, I think for a lot of the movie, but there's still more stuff to come. Yes. Um, I don't know where all the violence of the gangs are, is at yet, but, um, um, yeah, about, it feels like it's about to pop off. Yeah, unsurprisingly for a gang movie, uh, it it increases as the movie goes on. Rather infamously, I do not like gangster fiction. Yeah. Like, I like The Wire, and I'm working slowly through The Sopranos. I like The Sopranos, but, like, I have no affection for The Godfather or Goodfellas or shit like that. Um, In fact, I've I've increasingly become, like, emboldened against them just as, like, a a philosophical stance about things people hold up as important in cinema. Yeah. Yeah. And so I've, I've had a, n- no small amount of skepticism about uh, Brighter Summer Day. Um, but <laughs> I will say, um, one, I think it's relatively well acted. I think getting a bunch of kids is always like so fraught. Um, but I yeah. do appreciate that. It has like just like a delicate pastel nature to most of it, too, that I think is really beautiful um, and considered. Um Cause it's weird. The thing, the thing that like does work here is it's a bunch of kids, right? Like the thing about the gangster film is it's a bunch of grown men behaving badly in their like naked grabs for power. Uh, their dick measuring contests, their petty rivalries that explode out into violence. Just a bunch of like macho shit. I don't care about. Um, yeah, but they're all fucking 12. Like it, it, it recontextualizes it as, the outlet for their their lack of like they have they have nothing to look for right they they live in like yeah. a, a like uh, rolling my eyes before I even say it like the society they live in feels liminal it feels like they're in like a permanent refugee camp right yeah like every the school feels empty the houses feel rented nothing feels like it has any history they just kind of drift as if they were like in the system, but they're not, they're with their families. Like the, the, the society is, is become the system in the way we think of kids getting lost in the system. And thus yeah. they have no, they have no outlet. They have no vision of what's possible. Um, because their parents are living in fear that like they fled the world. They knew the world they live in now seems incredibly tenuous and, uh, potentially has no future. Um, and so the kids acting out feels just like a natural extension of, well, they've been fed, they've been fed media 
and they live in a place that's very repressed and thus as they grow up they're just going to grow into violence that they've seen like you know in imitation and through um in-group out-group stuff that's like very clear and no one's no one's willing to talk to them enough to like explain maybe you shouldn't like stab your classmate over the girl neither of you like that much yeah um and on that level i feel like it solves a lot of the problems with like why I, I particularly don't feel that impressed by a bunch of gangsters running around shooting each other. Right. Um, yeah. By refocusing it. And it, like, you're going to roll your eyes, but this is the thing that like makes something like 400 blows work for me. And I know the only person on earth who still holds out for the French new wave is um, the, I, I think the narrative changes when it's about kids behaving badly. <laughs> I like 400 blows. Okay. That's actually, that might be my favorite French new wave film. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think the sympathies of the audience and the things we're asked to like consider change quite a bit when you're talking about characters that are literally children um, yeah. and who has failed them and why they're acting out in a way that I don't feel when it's, you know, Scarface, right? I don't give a shit. Um, Scarface is probably yeah. one of my, the, uh, one of the big ones I like more than the others um, and casino. Those are like my, the two that I do think are all right. But um, so yeah, I like it's not going to be my favorite movie. I like I I checked uh, Letterbox. I saw you gave this five stars, and I was like, okay, I'm not going to be there. <laughs> probably, yeah. probably not going to be there. Um, and I was just reading the reviews, and it's like just the most glow. There's like one like high rated review is like too short, and I was like, come on. One in my in this current mode of cinema, I'm looking at Letterbox reviews. I hate everyone who reviews Letterbox movies. Yeah. It's just the way everyone is like performative in a way. I'm like, why, why are you like this? Who are, who is this for? And I know that there's like a whole like culture and community around the letterbox reviews and like the cloud around them and discussions generated in the comments or reviews and blah, blah, blah. Um, I just, I just uh, don't care. Uh, and so it looks, it looks ridiculous to me. Um, yeah. The wildest thing to me sometimes when I stumble upon letterbox reviews is seeing the ones that have a bunch of comments and I'm like, who, who's doing this? Yeah. Who's, who's reading a review and then commenting on it. <laughs> um, so while I, so my, my up and down on this has been like, I was excited to watch this. I'm, you know, I'm watching this entirely cause it's in the site and sound 100 and I'm trying to knock those out. Um, and uh, then I realized there was a, a, like a crime, like a gangster movie. And I was like, oh, and then I was like, well, I'm still here for three hours anyway. I might as well enjoy myself uh, or do my best. Yeah. And like the movie's like, I'm not like my heart is not hardened against it. I, I just will not. I probably will not love it. But I, I think there's stuff here, you know, um, yeah. which is fine. I think it's like a really pretty movie. It makes me really excited to watch some of his other films. This is the first one of his I've watched. I think Ye is definitely on the Sight and Sound 100. Is those yeah. not the only two? They might be. Okay. Um, I was realizing recently I was going to try and watch some of those from, from the list and just have not been doing that. So, um, I, um, I realized I hadn't done it since like the very beginning of the year. And I was like, Oh, we're into February now. I should do some more. So I knocked out, um, I knocked out, uh, close up, uh, yesterday. And then I started working on this, um, close ups fucking great <laughs> that's a movie that surprised the hell of me i didn't know anything about it i was like oh this is this is ooh, this is good yeah i think i saw that one like once that i'm trying to remember where, um i feel like i saw that when i was in grad school okay really enjoyed it yeah um yeah 
I'm looking at pictures from it now, and yeah, I remember. I remember watching this in grad school. Um, yeah, I think. It, yeah, it just looks like it's Yee and um, Brighter Summer Day. Yeah, the thing about a Brighter Summer Day is, um, I I do enjoy it a lot, uh, and I think like in terms of like the construction of the film, mm-hmm. like filmmaking. Uh, it is a better movie than Rebels of the Neon God, but I think Rebels of the Neon God I like more. Uh, and they're both like, they're in my mind because I think they're talking about similar things, although Rebels of the Neon God also tosses in, uh, as with most Simon Long films, uh, you know, uh, queer yearning for, for men you can't have, but, mm. um, but yeah, it's also very much about these like adrift youth, um, who don't really have any sort of sense of future. Um, one thing that I think is really good in Rebels of the Neon God versus uh, A Brighter Summer Day is just the way that, like, all spaces are, you know, one, there is that, like, liminal space of a lot of them, a lot of the scenes are, like, in hotels and things. But also, like, all spaces are constantly uh, in a state of, like, deconstruction and also, like, construction. Like, a new uh Taipei is being built actively um but everybody lives in the rundown buildings that nobody takes care of anymore because in 2 years someone's probably going to tear it down anyway mm. um and just like that image um i think some of the the locations in like a brighter summer, the, summer day uh become really interesting but also part of it is the like recurring nature of them when you return to places over time mm-hmm. um which is something that like the full length of it can do um whereas there are parts where like rose of the neon god very intentionally will have like stuff in hotels where all the rooms look the same to then make you very like uh to like fully disjoint the space where it becomes confusing what rooms people are even in anymore like who's in what room and things mm-hmm. uh because everything looks the same so if you have an angle against this wall um it's hard to tell are they in that room now or are they still in this room or you know kind of hard to explain but if you see it i think like there there's this impact of like people often seem to be occupying just like one space even though they're in different rooms yeah um uh, i will say a brighter summer day is uh Chinese title Youth Homicide Incident on Guling Street is the coolest title in the world. Yes. Um A Brighter Summer Day is such a such a walk back of title <laughs> power. Yeah. Um I feel like there's something maybe I'm misremembering, but that like the original poster had both the the Chinese title and the English title on it. Mm-hmm. Um that it was always like intentionally uh you know, in Chinese, you see it as like the, talking about the youth homicide, and then the English words on it are this move, this song that comes up at the end of the movie, uh, "Brighter Summer Day." Mm-hmm. Um, or I don't even know if that's actually the lyric, or if it's like a a common misheard lyric for the the song. Um, I know, I know it comes up, but I don't think it's until like the end, unless maybe it comes up earlier. Mm-hmm. There's that whole undercurrent of them, like, kind of being in a band. Yes. That part connected with me as a punk kid. (laughs) 
Yeah, no, I watched this movie and I'm like, I understand why you in particular probably found a lot to identify with here. Um, yeah. This is not the youth experience I find particularly compelling personally. Um, um, but, um, you know, that doesn't, it's yeah. neither here nor there. I don't necessarily. I was stabbing fewer people, but there, yeah. there's still similarities. <laughs> uh, Yeah. <laughs> Um, I googled Brighter Summer Day, and uh, the one of the first people also ask is, "Is there an intermission?" Yeah, fair enough. Um, th- there is a lyric in "Are You Lonesome Tonight" that says, "Does your memory stray to a bright summer day?" So close enough. Okay. Yeah. Um, still not as cool as youth homicide incident on Gooling Street, which is yeah. just a Portopia serial murder case level of like. You just put the title. You just told me the fuck. Yeah. I love it. It's just like, yeah. no nonsense. This is what the story is about. We don't need like, and you, you still haven't gotten to the youth homicide incident on no. <laughs> Gooling street. No, I'm really excited <laughs> to see what, what that is. Um, I feel like it, it could be anyone in any direction where I'm at now. <laughs> I would believe yeah. it. The, the, the tensions are simmering, you know, it's, it's one yeah. of those, um, it's got the thing that's like, um, I uh, do the right thing, right? Where it's like, you know that this is going to break bad somewhere. You just don't know who it's going to break bad for and where or when. Um, yeah. Uh, but also, I, I also checked, I picked this one because it's one of the longest ones I have left, right? Um, and I was like, I'll just get this out of the way. Uh, that's what I did with like some of the really, like, you know, I watched Showa and I watched Satan Tongo right around the beginning, end of the year, beginning of this year. Um, I'm saving John Dealman. John Dealman's my last one. That's going to be number 100. We're going to do it for Reptrace Greetings. Um, that's just my treat to myself for having gone through the rest of these 100 movies. Um, I think that's the only other really long one left. Yeah. Oh, that's not true. I think I think I have a couple that are like three hours, but... I'm sure Andre Rublev is fucking long as shit, right? Oh, yeah, probably. Is that... I forget if that's the one that's in two parts or not. Uh, I don't know. Um, let me see. Uh, so Tarkovsky's first cut, 205 minutes, and then final cut was 183. Oh, that's not too <clears throat> bad. Yeah. I will probably split it over two nights, but... Um. Yeah, I, I don't think. I feel like there's another one that's uh, two parts, but maybe I'm misremembering. Yeah. Um, the trick is not to watch all the long ones all at once and not to watch all the short ones all at once. Don't do yourself dirty either direction. Um, yeah. It's a great way to have a bad time. Once I'm done, I'm going to rank them all. I think that'd be fun. I, there's a couple I think I need to revisit. I don't really remember that much about Vertigo, for example. Yeah. Yeah, that's the thing. Uh, that's the main reason why I haven't started watching much from the Sight and Sound list, is that mm. I look at it, and I'm always just like, oh, I should rewatch that before I'm like thinking about any new ones to watch. Because <clears throat> a bunch of these I haven't seen in like over a decade. So, um, Is Chloe from... Uh, what is it? Cleo from five from to five. seven. Yeah. Yes. On that's number 14. Uh, that's still the one that I need to watch. Cause I, I was convinced that I had never seen it. Um, and then I was going through like, uh, 
syllabus stuff that I had to like log stuff on Letterboxd, mm-hmm. and I had apparently seen it twice. Oh wow! <laughs> and I just don't, I don't remember seeing it. I'm sure I'll watch it and be like, oh yeah, I've seen this, but. Um, yeah, that's a movie I think I've seen three or four times. It's one of the most watched movies on this list for me. Not the most, but up there. Yeah. Um, I think I think Modern Times is probably my most watched movie on this list. Uh, that or Spirited Away. Modern Times is just my favorite movie, so you know, seen it a couple times. Yeah. Uh, I have this one person who started following me on Letterboxd. Um, who I think it was just because I would sometimes watch like very obscure Japanese movies uh-huh. be- because of me just enjoying like weird old Yakuza movies. Um, because all they do is they're just like trying to watch as many Japanese movies as they can get their hands on, mm-hmm. um, including just like a bunch of really hard to find ones. Um, and so every time that I go to my letterbox and I'm just like, uh, you know, see in the like recently watched by like your friends or whatever. Uh, and it's just like Campus Agogo by uh, Katsuki Iwauchi. I'm like, oh, that's that guy. <laughs> that's that person, Pachinko Pop. I already know. It's <laughs> very funny. Um, oh, I had some friends watch uh, The Banshees of Inish Aaron recently uh-huh. and love it. Uh, and it just it hurt me a little bit. <laughs> We almost did that for Reptile Screenings, and Destiny picked Neon God, which I'm not sure is like an improvement. We'll find out. We're watching it tomorrow. I just, we've got yeah. multiple emails from people being like, this movie fucking sucks. And I was like, well, we'll see how I feel about it. <laughs> um, the thing about Banshees of Inisherin is that, like, the movie is, like, uh, fun, and there's some, like, good, interesting stuff in there. Uh, it's just every single time that it wants to remind you that this is really about, like, the Irish civil war. Mm -hmm. Um, that's just when I hate it and and hate what it, what it's doing, what it's trying to say. Cause it's, it's really bad. (laughs) Yeah. Fair enough. Um, and the fact that it's so easy for people to like glaze over that part and just be like, Oh, that movie is great. Is part of why I don't like it. (laughs) I'm going to be honest with you. I feel like the average American just doesn't know that much about Irish stuff, period. Yeah. I speak as someone who has like had to learn rapidly Irish stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Definitely some of this is my family and my mom being Irish, just knowing this stuff. Um, But it is also just that that frustration of like, um, because there's also that... uh, Dairy Girls show as well that had uh-huh. like this really middling and I'm just like, oh, why is like all of the media that uh gets produced and especially that comes over? Um I mean I know why, but it's just depressing that it's all just like this really middling centrist like Have I ever said my Dairy Girls thing on a podcast? Have I don't I- think so. I was convinced for years the Dairy Girls was about <laughs> the characters of Stephen King works all together in like a multiverse thing. <laughs> yeah it was about Derry, maine and the, the place where the fucking Stephen oh. king books take place in i i just like one that's very funny uh but also the disgusting the disgusted sound i did was not to you saying that um you had told me this in a group chat i think okay i know i'd said it somewhere but i didn't yeah. know where i said this i don't know if it was a I don't think it was on a podcast. I think it was. Yeah, in my brain's just like, oh, well, I people talking about. I'm like, oh, it's like a post, uh, 
Riverdale sort of thing, but it's all Stephen King characters. Yeah. Um, but no, the disgusted sound I made is that I, I Googled Dairy Girls and it popped up. Dairy Girls is a British teen sitcom. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> it's the channel's most successful comedy since Father Ted. Excuse you. I have, I think I've done this with Jackson, whether this was on a podcast or not, is anyone's guess. Because there's a bit where we were talking about Bill Clinton being in it at some point. <laughs> <laughs> this might have been a VoIP life. It could have been just us hanging out. I have no idea. There's very yeah. little distinction in my brain between the two things sometimes. Uh, there are some VoIP lives that I'm like intentionally just saving for when I get to that point in listening through GGP. Oh, really? So okay. it could have been in, in there. Like uh, what? Well, just like, because what I'm up through Shars Counterattack, and yeah. then I started listening at OE's MS team. So all the VoIP lives that happened in the middle there, I haven't listened to, unless okay. they like went into the the other feed. Oh. Um, okay. Because when I when I first uh, joined, I I listened to all the stuff at the like one dollar or whatever. Yeah. But yeah, I just have the I have the very annoying thing as a content creator where like we make a. You know, VoIP life's not meant for everybody. It's a premium pod- product. It costs $10. Like, I understand this a lot. I, there's a time in life I would be hesitant to give $10 to a Patreon. Who, I don't care who it is. Um, and um, that's still true sometimes. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are definitely cr- content creators out there where I'm like, I'll give you a dollar. I'm not giving you $10. Are you fucking kidding me? Um, but because <laughs> it's just me commoditizing my life, I just talk about all the things as if everyone's listened to everything I do all the time. Um, yeah. Because it's still just me as a person. I don't I don't like silo them off very well. Um, and so I yeah. just feel like an asshole. And I'm like, oh, did I mention that thing? And like, you're, you're like, you don't know. It was a podcast that I did three <laughs> years ago that you might, might have listened to. Um, but I just assume that you know because I'm thinking about it all as one continuous narrative. Um, yeah. That that has definitely happened to me too. There is a part where um it was on the latest UGP. I don't remember what it was that uh like Jackson referenced something, but I was like, I don't think this has ever come up on on GGP and so like uh Tequila didn't seem to like grab the reference, but I just knew it from like group chat stuff and what things. was the reference? I don't even remember now. Okay. I'll have to try and find it. Um I just it like it was specifically like the the brief like uh it was like the lack of reaction from tequila where I was like, wait a minute, and then I, I put it together that it was like from something else. Um This is the problem when you like, just like work with your friends all the time. It's yeah. like shit that's just like in private just drifts into the work and stuff that's in the work is like continued to build upon is like in jokes in private. Um I don't recommend it <laughs> to people, yeah. but I don't know any other way to do it. Cause like I used to be more like silent about it, but then it just like made my mental health bad. Um, but I definitely feel like um, I I'm a mess in terms of like presentation outward, which is fine. We're not big enough that I'm like, I feel pressured as a public. I don't feel, I don't even feel like a public figure most days. Um, thank God. Cause it seems bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, I know. This is something that comes up a lot with uh, ornate sterols in particular because we like Autumn and I just hang out a bunch outside of podcasting. Yes. Um, and so there's stuff where we don't remember whether or not we talked about something on a podcast. Yes. Uh, there's also like uh, in jokes that like kind of get explained on the podcast, but not really, mm-hmm. where there are just things that we say every time that we watch movies. Like we will, we will find a moment to do the joke. I'll be um, perfectly honest with you. Autumn sounds like the 
worst person to watch a movie with I've ever met. <laughs> Uh, we are listening to this. I'm, I, I think yeah. I've said this to their face before. I would murder them. <laughs> we both thought constantly during movies. I'm we like, a, I'm like, a, we can like, you know, if we need to say something, I, I'm not like, we have to be quiet, but I do generally just want to watch the fucking movie and then give me 30 minutes afterwards and then we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, that's the thing too, is there's been stuff where we realized that we forgot to talk about something on the podcast because we just talked about it while we were watching the movie. Yeah. And then when we did the podcast, we were already thinking like, well, we talked about that. This um, is, this is a thing that, um, I always worry about with the blockbusters where me and Jackson watch them together, but increasingly yeah. because we try not to pick bad movies because we don't want to sit through bad movies. We just don't, we just mostly watch the movie in silence. There's a lot of, we, we rarely are like talking back and forth during the movie. It's very goofy the way we do it. Um, yeah, but there are some times there's episodes of GGP where uh, or abnormal mapping. We try. I try really hard not to do this where we just kind of do the entire podcast before we record the podcast and the podcast always suffers for it. There's one particular GGP uh, that's like a, a relatively like big one that I wish we could re-record. I feel like we blew it so badly. Um, I mean, I, it's been, I, I we talked we talked the F91 episode to death before we recorded it. I think it's a bad episode because of that. Um, I don't think most listeners are going to notice, but like we had everything we wanted to say about F91 talked three times over before we got in front of the mics and it, it really suffers for it. Um, yeah, that's the the first season of Ghost Divers where we did the standalone complex. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that season's very bad because Connor and I had talked everything like literally all parts of it. Yeah. Uh, the the episodes are bad because neither of us like like we both fully know what the other person feels about things and we've already had this conversation so we're just saying our thing back and forth yeah. without like any actual dialogue yeah um yeah so like so like tonight um I came home uh and we, we recorded the second half of Void which is just like Nintendo Direct reactions it's not a big deal we just had to fill ten more minutes and we got like thirty out of it because of course we did um yeah but like almost, I normally on my drive home um. Me and Destiny work at the same place, so we commute home, and we call Jackson. We all have, like, a three-way conversation on the way home. Usually, Destiny's falling asleep, uh, so it's just me and Jackson talking about some bullshit of the day. Um, but on nights like this where I'm, I'm like, I can't call you. We'll just talk about the direct, which is the thing we have to record immediately after. We, I don't want to, pres- like, ruin the energy. Um, but it does mean the thing you're re- that's getting recorded is literally the conversation we would have had driving anyway. Um, like, 10% more explaining things to a listener that isn't the two of us. Um, yeah. But... Um, that's really what it is. You just got to, you, you're just selling the thing you do anyway. Um, but it is weird to be like, we can't, we can't talk to each other until we record this. Cause we'll just talk about the thing we're going to, we have to do for our job. Um, yell about how Metroid prime looks bad. Um, cool. This remake looks bad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a classic. That, the literal citizen Kane of games. You can't make it 16, nine. Just ask Roger Ebert. He'll tell you it was a mistake. Uh, yeah, that's bad. That's bad. Um, yeah, I don't know. Uh, podcasts are fun though. I, um, (laughs) I can't believe that I was so like, I knew what you were doing on, um, Puton this week. I knew it from the jump and I I still was like incensed when it happened. (laughs) I was like, this is this is a bait and switch. And then you, you bring it up like three different times as it goes. And I, I'm like, okay, now we're going to get to it. Okay, maybe it's not a bait and switch. Like an idiot. I'm like, no, no, this is definitely a bait and switch. And the last time you bring it up, I'm like, oh, we're about to get bait and switched here. And then it happens. And I'm like, I've been baited and switched. And I'm upset about it. 
Um, I want to stress, Connor, and I do not talk at all about what the episode is going to be beforehand. <laughs> I know. I'm aware. Um, the thing is, if if you read along with Bhutan, you especially know what the bait and switch is going to be. Because the, the whole chapter was about uh, Hokuto's lackey. Um, nobody knows his name and he wants to properly introduce himself finally so that people will know his name. And then he keeps getting interrupted and not being able to do it. Wait, are the, are the episodes themed like the chapters you're covering in some way? Uh, not always, but this okay. is why I say to people, uh, like often they are, or parts of the, the chapter will like make its way into just like the weird, like it is like the weird seed that germinates the like improv that we're doing. This is such a high effort joke for like <laughs> nobody but yourself. I but can't help but appreciate it. If people read Cromartie High School, which is low effort to do, it's six I've, pages. I've not done that. I was going to do that, and then I did not do that. Yeah. Um. I think that sometimes people will get more out of the podcast, not because we really talk about the manga that much, but no. because we are like. We are still doing stuff about the humor of Cromartie High School, even when we're not talking about it. <laughs> um, I feel like, like there's a beauty to this. This is like the yeah. log lady intro. It's like, yeah, they technically <laughs> aren't, don't matter and they're kind of stupid, but like there's a there's an art to the way in which they don't matter. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, um, I appreciate this. I had not considered you actually were somehow, sometimes, every once in a while, tying it in, like, in a spiritual way. Not even thematically, just, like, loosely. Yeah. <laughs> no, we've the done that a lot. of tying things in in the podcast. There's one, I would have to, I would have to, like, look through and, uh, I'd honestly probably have to listen through. There's one where, um, it, we started out kind of referencing it, and then, like, very accidentally continued to reference things, um, but in ways that were, like, unintentional. Um, oh, it's the one where we talked about like alien and aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, uh, like UFOs also came up in the chapter. Um, and that was purely organic. I didn't even think that that's what I was doing when I talked about aliens. Um, but, <laughs> uh, no, it's, it's a bizarre, like, the thing is, it just feel, I feel like, it it feels like it should be so much higher effort than it is. Um, and it's literally, I, I read it like earlier that day, I just read the chapter and then I sit down, record, like, you know, figure out what the, the timer sound is going to be um, and hit like record and start the timer at the same time. Uh, and then from that point, the episode will be edited and either uh, out on the Patreon or queued up to go on the Patreon one hour later. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I'm done. And, you know, Connor and I usually chat while I'm like editing and putting stuff up, but uh, that's it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh. While while you were talking about the the uh, Metroid Prime remake, mm-hmm. uh, I did think about the remaster of Chrono Cross. Mm. So I just have like that pulled up on my Google right now, mm-hmm. uh, looking at it sadly. Uh yeah, fair enough. You're gonna have to play that now. I mean, I mean not the play, I'm not the, the remaster. Version. I don't know what you're yeah, about, but... yeah, don't play the remaster. I will not. I'll play the original. It looks it looks really bad. 
my my Ooh. only question is whether I play it on my uh, Steam Deck or on my Mister. That's all I have to worry about. Ooh, yeah. Uh, I mean, do you have a CRT? No. Okay. What's the but, best way that you can get the CRT look? Oh, and the Mister, absolutely. The okay, Mister is the way to do that. Yeah. Um, I can make that look like any number of CRTs. Uh, the crappier the better sometimes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I was playing. I was playing uh, Atari Twenty Six Hundred games on that, and I made it. I I was like, let's let's go as far deep as I can in like a really crappy like seventies television, and then we'll walk it back from there. And I got to the point where I was playing Yards of Revenge. I couldn't see the fucking like fire like beam you fire out like the one pixel that the ship fires out because it was just too garbage it was just too blurred out and shitty and then i was like okay this is too far one step back there we are that's a 70s television to me i remember them yeah the tv where you turn it you like turn it on and like has to warm up to get to the to the picture love that <laughs> big nostalgia yeah. um yeah, Chrono Cross is extremely uh, one of those games where the pixels are being constructed to blend when it's being yeah. projected on CRT. And so yeah, I yeah. just, like, uh, other forms just look bad. Um, yeah. Like, even the the best, like, if you're going to have, like, the actual pixels, to me, is still if you do it on the, the PSP because the screen is, like, small and shitty enough that it works. I um don't like playing PlayStation games on that. I think the just in like a, I'm reading text with my old thirty something eyes. I don't like playing PlayStation games on Vita and PSP. Um, yeah, I do understand, but I'd rather put that on the Steam Deck where I can I can hit it with more filters. Um, and I get like save states in that instance, um, which I won't have on the Mister. But it's an RPG, so I don't think I'll need them. Uh, yeah, it just ends up being where I feel like do I want to play it in bed or do I want to play it on the couch, which is the big determining factor there. Um, I do think it's a good bad game, but yeah, I say this is somebody who played it many times on PlayStation. And then when I had the PSP, um, every time I've replayed it since it's been on the PSP, when when we do it for abnormal mapping, I might do it on, uh, this little CRT I have, Mm -hmm. um, just to do it that way again. But, um, no idea when that is. We will figure it out. Yeah. I don't even know what we're doing next month yet, because Jackson's are surviving them, so uh, games are up in the air right now. Um, anyway. So, Style Savvy, that's it? I mean, yeah. I, I mean, there's like, if you've never played Bot and Kytos and you want to, I guess those remasters there, you don't have a, you don't have another way to easily play those, so... This is the, the problem is I just have ways to emulate basically everything. So like old game, old game re-releases have to do something really spectacular to warrant me caring. Um, so I just, I'm not impressed by a lot of that. I, mean, I you haven't listened to VoIP yet. It just came out. I talk about this on VoIP, but just like Nintendo stuff's just not doing it for me much these days. I don't, you know, don't care. Yeah. Um, um. I'm like, they're, they're putting out Wii Heart Katamari. That's a great game. I played it a couple years ago. I don't need to replay it. Uh, related to Nintendo. Did you... So there's that one that was going around that was like your anime variety score or whatever? Yes. <clears throat> um, did you see the one that was your Nintendo variety score? No. Can can I find... Is there an easy way to find this and ruin <laughs> uh, my life right now? Here, I, I saved the image because it was just very funny to me. Okay. Um, 
I mean, they are trying to like dig some and and find, but um, yeah. Where is this? Uh, the annoying thing is trying to like send on my phone. Here we go. I think this will work. Um, just like the concept of a Nintendo variety score is already like funny to me. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I'm looking. I'm looking at this. Um, let me make sure you sent the same one I found on Twitter. Okay, you did good. Yeah. I'm gonna. I'm gonna list you the ones I have not played. How about okay. that? It's much easier. Yeah, out of a hundred. Yeah, it's yeah, much easier out of that 100. way. So the first column, write that whole thing off. Uh, the second. Column, I haven't played I, Kid Icarus. That's the only one here that I haven't played. Um, I have not played Fossil Fighters. Don't even know what that is. Um, I have not played Steel Diver. I do know what that is. Um, I have not played Dragalia Lost. That's a gotcha. Pretty sure I have not played that. Um, yeah. I had a row- friend who was really into it. Okay. In row three, I have not played Metopia. I have not played Nintendo Land. Um, I've never actually played with a Rob. I've seen them in person, but never bothered. Um, yeah. I have... I guess I've never played a Mario and Sonic. Those are all Olympic games. And why would I bother? Yeah. I've never played. Is that Pandora's Tower at the bottom of this? That's not even a Nintendo game. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. I I was confused yes. by that one. That's like, I mean, like Bayonetta's on here. Bayonetta also not a Nintendo game. Yeah. Um, I guess I've not played Pandora's Tower. In row four, I've not played Mario Strikers. I've not played Pokemon Conquest. That's the uh, Nobunaga's Ambition Pokemon crossover, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I've played that one. Okay. Um, Emily got it because she loves Pokemon and then was like, this is not what I want. Um, And then had me play it and tell her if there's anything good. I have not played Ever Oasis. Um, I have no, I did play Fluidity. I've not played Pokepark. I've not played 1-2-Switch. I've not played Codename Steam. I've not played Custom Robo. Uh, I, I finished Pokemon Ranger. I had a percent of that game. I feel like I deserve compensation for that. <laughs> I have not played Battle Crash. The Clash. I don't even know what that is. It's clearly old because that's an old ass font. Yeah. Um, not played Garage Game Builder Garage. Um, I've never played Wii Fit. Kind of. I was out of. The, I was done with the Wii by the time that came out. Um, Cruisin isn't even Nintendo. It's not even associated with Nintendo. Those are Midway games. Yeah. What is going on? Um, yeah. <laughs> I have not played Wii Party. Um, I have not played Disaster Day of Crisis. Um, I have not played the Rolling Western. That's Dylan's Rolling Western because uh, it's a tower defense game. Um, I have not played Detective Pikachu, the video game. Uh, I have not played Sushi Striker or The Last Story. So that's like, what, like 10 out of 100? That's sad. And most of those, I'm like, these are not Nintendo games. Yeah. Um, I definitely have more that I haven't played, but, um, I don't know if there's any here that are like particularly surprising for me to have not played. I think you could get Nintendo developed games on here with, and cut some of these that are clearly not really easily. Yeah. Re genuinely really like they have ice climber on here. There's been one ice climber game two. I think there's a game boy game, but like two ice climber games, you get a lot of NES games that Nintendo made. Like where's Doge and the giant. I think that's Nintendo public on like, uh, develop like you could, you could do that. There's no reason not to. Um, yeah. Where's Famicom De- detective club. I'm pretty sure it's a first party game. Uh, 
there are options. You don't, you don't have to go to like sit and punish, but that's a treasure game. Treasure's not Nintendo. Treasure's never been Nintendo. Knock it off. <laughs> um, this is the Nintendo fan thing. I'm like, you, you just don't know any history. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. Um, it's extremely just like tried to Google for, uh, Nintendo games people like and like found some, some person talking about how they really like this game on like Game Boy or something or yeah. like GameCube and put it on the list. Um, yeah, it's a weird list. Yeah. And also, again, the idea of like your Nintendo variety is, is funny to me. Where's Popeye? We're, like, <laughs> there's there, a fucking Nintendo game, Popeye. Yeah. There's so many Mario and Pokemon, like different Mario and Pokemon brands on here. Which yes. is just funny to me. Um, yeah. <sighs> Super Mario Strikers. <laughs> um, I don't know what Sushi Striker is. Um, that is... I think it's like kind of a... Man, like a match three it's like a zuma if i remember correctly i'm looking i'm gonna go find pick yeah this has like you're like matching three it's all like sushi themed um here i'm gonna yeah. send you a photo it, i think it's got a competitive aspect where you're fighting against the other person and you gotta kind of like throw out sushi to like combine them and clear them off the tray yeah oh i that- did not play this game that like getting hit image is not uh I mean it's fine, but I think there's a thing with this that came out on 3DS and Switch at the same time. I could be making yeah. something up here. My yeah, brain says this the, is true. Yeah, it was 3DS and Switch. It was like in that transition period. Yeah. Um that 37 minutes. I've I have figured out what's like the the uh getting hit like reaction face, the thing that's throwing me off is just like the line weight is so different for the characters. It's yes. like bothering me. That's fair. It's so much thinner. Yeah. Everything else is this like very thick line weight. Um I don't know what these little guys on the side are. Uh the fact that they're identical for both teams is less exciting oh here's one where they're different okay so there is a certain like collectible aspect um yeah I've never heard of this game before the way of Sushido is the subtitle yeah yep (laughs) doing a face yeah yeah um are we done? Anyway, I don't know if you have anything else. I don't think I do. <laughs> I think we're done here. We can just we go for forever. Like, yeah. Oh, the one thing I wanted to say about Smooth Talk, um, this is just to you. I mean, I said it to your face. Doing Smooth Talk in the middle of a David Lynch season is rude <laughs> because in a thousand years, David Lynch could not make a movie half as good as Smooth Talk. <laughs> uh I do think that Smooth Talk is better than every David Lynch movie that I've seen. Um, I, I know that uh, Autumn at least hesitates more at that thought. Um, I do I think like that David totally Lynch... The Emperor has no clothes about it. I'm like, this, yeah. this thing just shoots Blue Velvet and most of Twin Peaks directly in the head. Yeah. 
Uh, I do think that there's like other stuff that David Lynch is interested in that's not happening in Smooth Talk. Yes. Um, but when it comes to like, uh, the handling of like the violence done against young women, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, definitely. Just Smooth Talk is, uh, <laughs> take every David Lynch workout back. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, so it's very funny to be like, ostensibly you're still doing the Lynch season. It's been a minute, but, um, yeah. Uh, this yeah, one no. was Laura Dern too, which is, it is making it more connected. Yeah, she's really good. It was really disorienting to me to see teenage Laura Dern because I Jurassic Park's a foundational film for me, and I guess she was not like super old in that, but she in that she is a she is a woman, like an adult woman in a way that like my yeah. child brain was like she's old, right? In the way that like Alan Grant to me is always old, even though I don't think Sam Neill was like that old in that movie, but he like they're, they're adults in adult situations. And my brain is just always projected. Laura Dern is like an old person and like, not in like a, like she's elderly, but just like, that's what an adult is. So seeing her as like a baby, a literal baby. I'm like, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and I don't, I also don't think it was like her very first thing either. No, 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 no. Cause I looked it up and yeah, she had done other stuff, but she's like 18 yeah. in that movie. It's like, gee, I, yeah. Just, I found uh, out, um, I saw a, a a quote from her later, uh, where she was seventeen when they shot it. Okay, she's even because uh, she's even playing more fifteen, like, right? I think that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I think some of these other ones were like there's a few where she was like a legit kid, just like uncredited little kid in a movie. Um, yeah. My thing is, like, why is Joyce Chopper only got, like, two fictional films to her name? And then she does a bunch of television. Like, what the fuck happened? Yeah. I don't fully know the the story there, but um, I should I should check out the Lemon Sisters. Yeah. It seems like she's mostly a documentarian, so, like, fair enough, but yeah. this movie's fucking good. Um... This is extremely, uh, in a way that like makes me think of Kieślowski, like the kind of story that you want to tell as a documentarian, uh, but is like, you can't like, you can't uh, ethically like- do this. <laughs> yeah. You can't like film this as a documentary. The only way that you can like tell this sort of real story is by like fictionalizing things. Um, um this is very funny given this is the week I watched close up, which is all about, a real incident where you just get all the people in the real incident and then shoot them dramatizing the real incident. But the real, the the thing is that real incident is such a small thing that isn't really important. Yeah. <laughs> in, a, in a way that like, you know, uh, smooth talk is about an, an, a thing that is tr- like tragically every day. Uh, but is this person's whole world shattering and like, that's not true yeah. about close up. Close up is about the profundity of things that truly don't matter. <laughs> They're like <laughs> line items in the newspaper. Um, yeah. And uh, it's just funny seeing the different. Yeah. I, I, I get what you're saying. Oh. Hmm. Um, Much to think about. Yeah. The cinema. When, when do you finish twin peaks in your projected new date ever? <laughs> 2025 <laughs> well i gotta i gotta watch some twin peaks this week i gotta make sure that we're making progress on that um, all right but yeah uh we're not in in that much of a hurry i guess okay i'm just excited <laughs> for whatever projects next that you you're not as a- automatically burned out about yeah 
I mean, there's the documentary, which we might start like watching various documentaries. Um, we might start doing that soon. Um, we're not going to do the watching all of Kurosawa's films until after we're done with David Lynch. Uh, but that's also going to be more spread out. And I he think has to say that's too many fucking movies. That's like your whole life. If you let it be. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've already watched all his movies, but <laughs> I'm, I'm very uh, excited for your documentary one. Not as excited yeah. about the Kurosawa. One. <laughs> uh, but neither of those are going to be like every week we're doing this. I think that's part yeah. of how we also got burned out was yeah. that combined with doing TV, doing weekly TV, which is just, this is not what we do. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is also a thing that I was talking about with autumn where, um, I'm sure like, Ghost Divers, we could do Twin Peaks where we're doing it, but it would still be for like the time constraints that I put on, uh, episodes of Ghost Divers. It'd still be like two or three episodes of the, the show uh, per week, which is, is not that like, I don't know. You're just not hitting like arcs in the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like a lot of American TV, especially at the time operates in a slightly different m- mode that like is less focused on arcs. Um, Whereas, like, a lot of the anime in particular that we are covering are the ones that are more likely to have arcs. Um, uh, it's really fucked up that you are going to be done with uh, IBO by the time you come on GGP. Yeah. Um, I was kind of hoping that it would work out where you would be like, what other anime have you watched? And I could be like, I, I just finished IBO. Uh, but there's going to be a little bit more distance. I think I will be in uh, Psycho Pass at that point. So Yeah, but you will um, have Gundam Crimes automatically so yeah i mean i know you have multiple anyway but yeah um i'm hoping to have finished uh g gundam by the time i'm i'm on for the end of seed destiny (laughs) well okay (laughs) are you caught up with destiny or no uh i have to watch the the most like the latest two um i listened to the podcast because i was like it doesn't matter and then uh, learning there that there's like a divide between you and Jackson on whether or not the episode is good. Um, or is like at least having a good time this week. Yeah. Uh, as maybe like, oh, now, now I'm like, I wish I went into this with, with formed opinions, but, uh, it'll also be fun seeing which way I fall when I watch it. Yeah. Big thing is they didn't have to drive into work yesterday, and oh, I, I watched Sea Destiny before I have to drive in because uh, watching it at five in the morning before I have to leave at six to drive to work is like a time that is already I'm having a bad time. So like, w- what's making it worse? It- <laughs> my my mental situation of doing this was there was a time where I worked a very terrible job and I was basically living on someone's couch because I was homeless, um, and. Um, I would, I had to get up really early because I had a really long commute that involved like dropping off multiple people like all across the city. So I'd get up at like five in the morning for a job that started like eight 30. And, uh, as I was getting ready, I would watch an episode of Hajime no Ippo. And so it's like a very, it's like a very like sad and like wistful, but like that anime fucking hits because the anime got me through one of the worst parts of my life. Um, yeah. And to make see destiny, that is cruel to yourself. I'm, I'm not making i'm not making see destiny yeah. the thing that's getting me through yeah. uh i'm just already upset about having to be awake that early yeah um and like not getting to see my kid before i have to go to work is another yeah. part that sucks um and so i'm just like well there are other times when i would rather be having fun because i'm 
I'm like done with my day or whatever. Um, I'm not going to watch see destiny then I'm just going to watch it at this point where I already know like fun's not happening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I can fully be open to any surprises. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm still waiting for the concert. Minor spoilers, I guess. We can bleep this. <laughs> I can bleep this if you want me to. No, I'm. I'm. I'll keep it in. Okay. I. Uh, I mean, I already know a little bit about stuff, so you know. Yeah. I've seen some robots. Yeah, this is purely from having seen a robot. Um, I think Jackson only listens to this podcast when I tell them to, so I think they will probably miss this one. Okay. So we're fine. I know the robot you're talking about that I'm talking about. Yeah. I'd say before I ever watched Gundam for GGP, like looking at robots, like what the fuck is this? <laughs> Why does it look like that? Um, if I can get it someday, I probably will. It's just a big sticker, right? Who gives a shit? Yeah, I mean it's just a bunch of stickers, I, but I say that I mean like it's I also a bunch buy, of. Pla- I didn't buy the fucking uh, Walmart or Target exclusive American Gundam because I thought it was stupid. I was like, oh, I need this dumb American Gundam. <laughs> Actually, it was a gift from someone. Um, yeah. I don't know if I paid them for that or if they just said it to me, but um. it is just the most like, it's already that <laughs> the yes. Gundam is already the America Gundam. Yes. <laughs> but what if you give it American flag stickers? Wouldn't that be stupid? And yeah. It yeah. Sure would. Yeah. It was also, I also, it was my opportunity to try the entry grades because I had not built an entry grade. Those entry grades are nice. Yeah. Yeah. I built one uh, with my toddler. Yeah. Um, I literally just like broke the piece off my fingers, like no tools, just put it together. It was like, I mean, man, they've come a long way. Yeah. Um, definitely more currently at this point, I think my kid is young enough. The SDs better. Yeah. Um, yeah. Sick hell on the SDs. I wish they'd figure that out. Yeah. But like, uh, cause there's, there are a number of pieces where I'm like, Oh, I think I need to pull this one out just cause it's like flimsy enough that yeah. like, you're not going to know how to like hold it in a way where you're not going to like, you know? Yeah. A couple more years. Uh, yeah. Um, but the, the SD ones, they're all like big and blocky enough that like yes. a toddler hand can just get in there and rip it out and it's fine. Um, yeah. Teach your so. kid how to use the God hands. Yeah. I mean, eventually, <laughs> The kid wants to. <laughs> they've they've seen the god hands. Uh, they want to cut things with the cutters. Yeah, fair enough. I'm like, mm, you're a little bit older. <laughs> Just that meme of the kid running with the knife, but it's a pair of flush cutters for bottle making. Yeah. Um. Oh, the other. This was like a night or two ago. Um. We had them help. We sometimes will have them help with like making dinner and they have this mm-hmm. like uh knife that's like has uh like round serrations. It's like blunt. Um, but like you can like cut into like a cucumber with it or something. Yeah. Uh, it's not like sharp. You can't like cut up tomatoes or anything. Uh, so sometimes we'll be like, Oh, can you cut up the, the cucumber? And then we just get like these, you know, big rustic chunks or whatever. Uh, but. <laughs> We were cutting with the sharp knives and they were like, uh, can I, can I cut with the sharp knife? I want to have a sharp knife. And we were like, you have to use the like blunt knife right now to like build up your skills. And then once you're like better at using that, then you can start using the sharp knife. Um, and we were obviously doing this and like, this will be a, uh, extensive process. Uh, and then 
uh, Emily's mom called and they were like, uh, grandma, tomorrow I get to use the sharp knife. And we're like, no, <laughs> that's not what we said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, yeah, it's bizarre how, it's like hard to remember how much a, a toddler's understanding of time is like the present. And then there's just nebulously like yesterday and tomorrow. Yeah. Yep. And just like all of time falls into yesterday, today, tomorrow. Yeah. Everyone's <laughs> so, like dimly remember when I used to think that way. And I'm like, how did I even survive? How, what did I do? I feel like I would go crazy if I thought that way now. Yeah. My brain's just wired that way. Yeah. Hasn't learned to think about time. Um, anyway, we're done here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> next week <laughs> we're reading, uh, Nyoth Saga chapters 67 through 90. Uh, yeah. Uh, if anyone tuned out an hour ago and we stopped talking about the sagas, um, I guess you check that in the description. <laughs> if not, thanks for sticking with us. Um, Listen to Ornate Stairwells because this podcast has basically become the Ornate Stairwells after show in a way that is ridiculous, <laughs> frankly. Um, it's way more of an after show of your podcast than it is an after show of my podcast. And, and it's fine. I'm totally happy about it because I talk about myself enough. But um, it is very funny to me that that's what the, this has become me talking about Putin and stairwells. <laughs> um, I mean, part of it is like. I ask you, like, what do I need to know from the Nintendo Direct? But it's nothing. So there's not much, like, uh, and I haven't listened to that one yet. But and then there's not much to talk about with GGV. Uh, no, 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 no. I like this is the thing is ultimately <laughs> see I don't Destiny's talk about, not good. <laughs> also, I don't want to talk about Gundam. Yeah, generally, most of the time, <laughs> every once in a while, you'll catch you on a day where I'm like, oh yeah, let's talk about judo. But um. I'm not out here like, let's talk about Gundam in my spare yeah. time. I want to talk about some movies that we're, we've both watched. Yeah. Um, and it's like, see, Destiny is not good. Uh, Dunbine's good. But like, in a way where there's not that much to say. Yeah. Usually that segment is shorter than the see, Destiny segment, even though y'all are having more fun. But it's just like, it's good. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> Uh, we haven't gotten to the part to like really have stuff to say. So there's some, there's some shit in this week's Dunbine. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I haven't watched it yet. No, I figured uh, a lot happens. I mean, um, I watched the, I watched the one for like the GGP that just came out. Oh, okay. That That's what um, I mean. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, uh, I fell asleep during like the last, like, five minutes of the second episode. Okay. And then woke up to, you know, the end song. Um, but that was just because I was really tired. What matters is Alan drove yeah. Todd crazy <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and it's beautiful. I love that. Um, sometimes you just see some asshole you knew in New York and you can't handle it. Yeah. We um, need to end this podcast. Um, we do. Can you please, Where can we will find you? Oh, okay. oh, if you I'll want go. me to go, go, go first. Go, go, go. You, you go. can find me on Twitter at em underscore being. That's really all I'm posting at. If Twitter goes down, I don't know what the fuck I'm going to do. I don't like any other website. Um, you can find all my podcasts on normalmapping.com. Next week, we're doing a abnormal mapping on. Well, we're about to do a rep choice screenings to movie podcast about the Neon Demon. I hope it's good. And then the week after that, we're going to be doing an abnormal mapping on Resident Evil, which I know is good. 
um, where our friend Dia is coming through to be on guest on that with us. So that's going to be nice. Um, and I have a bunch of other things besides. You can check out our Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash normal mapping. Recently, we had Neve, Autumn, and our friend Molly on to talk about Titanic. That was a rowdy episode. It real, really was. Real third class energy to that whole thing. Um, but uh, that's it for me. Yeah. We were effectively dancing on the tables. Yeah. James Cameron would shoot us like hobbits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Oh, just saying that to Connor and him having no context is very fun. <laughs> I did think that was really funny. Like, it's um, like all the time. We're just assholes about referencing our own work that no one else has listened to. Yeah. Uh, anyway, people can find me at Faxmomnia on Twitter uh, and also on Ghost. I'm, I'm trying to use it a little bit more. Uh, I realized I got like caught back up on, on the Heathcliff account that I run. Yeah. Um where I just post today's Heathcliff and I'm like, I enjoy posting today's Heathcliff on co-host way more than I enjoy like other interacting on co-host. Um, so I don't, I, that's what I'm doing the most right now. <laughs> um, otherwise I'm mostly on, on Twitter and I'm mostly on locked Twitter. So sorry. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if, if you're listening to this and we're like friends, feel free to let me know. But, um, Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not that invitation's not open on my end. <laughs> uh people can shoot their shot with me. If no, if want, we're I like no shots shoot. In fact, literally <clears throat> my locked account is like a do not request this blindly. I will say no and I will resent you for it. Um, yeah. I will reach out to people. <laughs> um, <laughs> um It's I'm, literally I'm just fine. me complaining about being at work all the time or having mental health problems. It's nothing good. I'm not saying the name of my locked account, but if you know me well enough to know it, uh, and also that we are like, we do talk sometimes, uh, we like follow each other and then I don't want like random people requesting. This I mean, is, I'll just reject you're it. You're offering but. this in a public forum. I can't believe you. Yeah. It's just, I mean, the thing that happens is that I reject you. You have to go into <laughs> it with the knowledge that I'll reject you. <laughs> if I don't. So I yeah. don't know if this is like unhinged or like just like deeply cruel <laughs> one of those i don't even know who if it is um i hate it though i hate it it makes me i'm like i need to cut all this out i'm not going to um yeah i still like look i i look at main if someone sends me an at on main i will see it i don't tweet much on main mostly because the volume is just really high and i i hate replies from people i don't know um but you know there's always the discord we both hang out in the abnormal mapping discord yeah me more than you, but you are there, especially when an episode you're on drops or something. Yeah. I'm I'm just like busy in a way where I'm not always checking Discord, but Yeah. Um Anyway, uh go listen to my other podcasts, uh Pondering Pluton, Ornate Stairwells, and Ghost Divers. We're doing IBO yeah. and Ghost Divers. Ornate uh, Stairwells increasingly required reading before you honestly <laughs> it's more important than reading the sagas. We'll talk about the sagas. You need to listen yeah. to stairwells every week. <laughs> You don't need to have watched all the movies. No, no, no. About I don't Sterles, even do but, that. But yeah. sometimes I have things to say, and I I watch the movies, and I'm like, here, let's talk yeah. about this. Um, I'm excited for the the next few weeks as well. I'm excited that we're just doing movies again. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're done. Yeah. Um. We'll be back next week, and then after that, I think we're taking another week off. Uh, this podcast. Um. 
I'm pretty sure this is going to be a daily. I think I'm just going to sit this and do edit tomorrow. Unless you really object to that. Because I'm fucking tired. It's 1030. Normally this podcast is out by now. Yeah. So I'm going to sit on this another night. Um, That's fine. It'll be out on Friday. Normally this comes out on Thursday. And by that I mean Wednesday night. Yeah. there's There's a VoIP for people to listen to and stuff. Yeah. You know. Um, and then we were out of the podcast. And then we were out of the podcast. 